Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. This is my dad, Ted. Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Knightsky. I want to talk about energy, like real energy, and how leaders are responsible for creating the conditions so that energy is present and powerful all the time. Because today, in schools, it is really tough, and tougher than ever before, it seems, on many days. Teacher turnover is high, student behavioral needs are significantly more intense, and there are still learning delays from COVID. Take that and add to it with the fact that support staff is leaving in the middle of the year because many of them can get less stressful jobs and make more money working in retail and gas stations and all over the place, and we find ourselves in a bit of a pickle. Then take the fact that it's the middle of January and we have the opportunity for a compounding effect of all of the weird things that come along with being in school in January. That effect, well, it can also be a significant reduction in energy and motivation and enthusiasm, which provides us an opportunity to get better. But it is also an opportunity for some people to let off the gas and then, the worst of all, a lowering of expectations. School years are so awesome, and in so many ways, they remind me of when you feel healthy for a really long stretch. You know, you've got great energy, you've got motivation, your creative juices are flowing, and you're willing to work harder, longer, and support more. But then, there are times when you get a cold or the flu, and suddenly your body and your brain are like, hey, let's slow this down. That couch looks like a really good place to be, and your energy, enthusiasm, and motivation slow down with it. However, once you recover, you get that weird, hey, I remember what it feels like not to feel bad feeling. That's what January is like in education. You're feeling really good, then you hit January and suddenly you slow down and your motivation wanes. But what if we did something about it? Well, what if we intentionally had a shot in the arm strategy to get us moving again, re-engaged and re-excited? Let's do that. But before we get into the reflection and process, let's also remind ourselves about leadership. First, Every single person you meet is a leader. Yeah, some of us have cool titles, but that doesn't make us any better than anyone else. It just gives us more authority and accountability. However, everyone is a leader because we define a leader as someone who has influence over another person. And as a result, every interaction, every word, every wink, every smile, or every frown matter. Which is why we must be people who want to be better so we can do better. And we have to operate with an optimism that is not only inspirational and occasionally annoying, (laughs) but also intentional. All problems can be good problems. And we don't walk away from them. We run to them, like the buffalo. We do this because we want to. And in order to be our best, we focus on leading from an empathetic position while constantly reflecting. Asking ourselves questions like, How did I support the needs of others today? How did I make a difference for someone else today? How did I serve others? You get it? I was listening to myself at the start of the podcast and was like, sheesh, you're sounding a little pessimistic and cow-like, Theodore. And yes, I refer to myself as Theodore in my inner voice. It's more formal after all. (laughs) Let's get to this opportunity. Let's get to the opportunity we are facing as we approach the midpoint of the school year. I have always felt that the beginning of second semester, or day 100, are a real missed opportunity in many of our schools. Why? Well, 
it seems like only kindergarten gets excited about reaching day 100, mostly because we give them a ton of zero-shaped foods on that day. Come on. I mean, some of my friends listening right now might not remember or even know what day 100 is. And I certainly didn't until I walked into the greatest kindergarten classroom in the world on day 100. You see, when I first started teaching in Random Lake, Wisconsin, yes, it's a village named after a lake that a railroad surveyor came upon and put on his map as Random Lake. And then, once a railroad was there, a village popped up around it. Anyway, I was hired in Random Lake as a high school history teacher and then transferred to the middle school. I loved working at Random Lake. It's a small rural school district. It's a single building school district where you could walk from the high school all the way to the elementary school indoors. The school district is the center of the community. Everyone went to everything. Football, track, plays, soccer, concerts, you name it. It was a fantastic experience for me and I loved being there and teaching there. One of the main reasons I loved teaching there so much was because I could at any moment walk into the best kindergarten classroom in the whole world. Just down the hall from the middle school, a literal two-minute walk, was a legendary kindergarten teacher. This woman was a great teacher, role model, and caregiver. Her students adored her. No, they loved and adored her. She was kind, patient, caring, funny, creative, and thoughtful. Every child that went through that classroom came out better for the experience. As a teacher in the high school and the middle school, students would regularly tell me stories of things their old kindergarten teacher had done for them. They remembered her because she made a difference. This teacher was a woman who came to her classroom by taking a non-traditional pathway. After getting pregnant in college and getting married young, she had two more children and raised three sons. After 10 years, she went back to school and finished her degree in education. Originally, she had gone to school because she wanted to be a home ec teacher, but after being with her three young children, she decided to go into early childhood. She used a lot of her own money, and like many teachers, she used those dollars to fill her classroom with great books, materials, and incredibly creative bulletin boards. She had resources galore for those children. Over the years, she was invited to her former students' weddings. She had students come back to student-teach with her, and eventually began teaching her earlier students children. Yeah, she's a legend. Another amazing thing about her was how generous and thoughtful she was for her colleagues, especially to me. When I was a young student teacher in the middle school, she stopped in for a visit and gave me a lunch card that she had paid for so that I could get hot lunch every day. She would regularly bring me resources and introduce me to people so that I could expand my network, and she was always there to listen if I needed her. Why was she so kind to me? Well, she was my mom, <laughs> and I'm her favorite son. My brother never listens, so I'm pretty confident my mom won't get mad that I just disclosed a hard truth. As a result of my mom being in the building and just down the hall, I was blessed. Blessed because no matter what type of day I was having, I could always go to the hallway and run down by my mom and see my mom's kids chat with my mom and just be around her and 20 some little bundles of enthusiasm it was so cool to see my mom loving these kids the same way she loved my brothers and i it was also fun when i would visit her and she'd be very honest about a couple of these little students who were making interesting choices like swearing or sharing things their parents were doing which their parents probably didn't want the school to know teacher friends you know what i'm talking about well, I regularly went down the hall to see her, especially on Mondays, because she would bring me leftovers from her big Sunday dinners or cookies or something. And the deal was on her end. I just had to go down to her and get them. 
As an aside, one of my favorite things about going to my mom's classroom was how the kindergartners' minds were blown when they'd meet me for the first time at the start of the school year. Now, I always wore a tie when I taught, and I'd always walk into her classroom the first week of school. And Mrs. Knightsky, my mom, their teacher, would say, Children, I want to introduce you to someone very special to me. This is Mr. Knightsky. He's my son. Every year they'd be like, what? How is that possible? He's not a kid. And inevitably, one kid would start to argue that I had to be her husband, or weirder yet, her dad. Five-year-olds. Wow. They always struggled with understanding that their awesome, young, and beautiful teacher could have a son that shaved. Well, it was fun for me because every time I'd visit those classrooms, my mom would beg me not to get them too hyper. So I had to come up with some shtick. So every time I entered, I'd teach them some German or Spanish phrases, how to say goodbye in Japanese, or just get them giggling a little bit as I would pick up my lunch from my mom. The other cool thing, while I'm on this, when the kindergartners would have a birthday and insist on seeing me, they would walk up to my classroom to bring me a birthday treat. And so many times, some little one would walk up to my classroom, knock on the door, and I would always do the exact same thing and answer the door and act like I couldn't see them. I would just look forward because I knew they were well below me. And then I'd close the door and all my students would be like, hey, Mr. Knightsky, she was below you. Then some cute little person would be there when I opened the door and hold their hand out with a brownie stuck to their unwashed palm and hand me a birthday treat. And in return, I would always give these cute little ones something from my classroom. Inevitably, 10 minutes later, my mom would call on the inner school phone and I'd put it on speaker and tell my kids to be quiet. And she would ask me, why in the world did you give little Timmy an empty staple box? Or why did you give Janice a half-used roll of masking tape? And I'd have her on the speaker phone and my kids and I would all get a good laugh as I was getting scolded by their former and their favorite kindergarten teacher. Well... In my first year of teaching, I walked down the hall on a random Monday in the bleak winter and my mom was covered in the little cutouts of the number zero. Her room was decorated like a party was going to happen and she was laying out all types of treats and getting ready for these fun art projects around the number 100. And I was like, what is going on? She said, Teddy, it's day 100. It's the biggest holiday in kindergarten. We've been counting every day and now we've hit the big time. It's the 100th day of school. I came back down during my prep, which was in the mid-morning, and the room felt like New Year's, the 4th of July, a birthday party, every single holiday, and a circus combined. Even I was stimulated by all of the energy, and heck, I'm born caffeine in my system, with caffeine in my system. I thought this was awesome. My mom, the teacher, was filled with joy. The kids were filled with joy, and everybody who walked in the room was energized, and I learned that the elementary teacher's lounge was also filled with a buffet. Everyone got into day 100. Well, almost everyone, because 100 yards to the north in the middle school, my students and colleagues were frustrated because it was the one millionth indoor recess in a row because it was too cold and too snowy and too dreary and there hadn't been sunshine in weeks and it was just another school day. However, down the hall in kindergarten, you'd think it was the first and last day of school. What it actually was, was the halftime to the Super Bowl taking place right there in the, in the school. A celebration of how far they've come, a reset, and a recognition that they're almost halfway over and they're going to reset expectations and charge into the second part of the year. What the heck? Why don't we do that at every level? Well, guess what? That's my challenge to you this year and every year. 
with so many things being so tough for so many people, why don't we take this opportunity at the halftime of the year and bring some energy? Come on. With record high levels of turnover, less people going into the profession, more students making interesting choices, and winter feeling like it will never end? Why are we creating a halftime celebration or a day 100 celebration at every level? It's time for us to create mid-year opportunities to reinvigorate each other, the students, and our cultures. Let's start with some fun things to do with the staff. This week in the TH4, which you can subscribe to on our website at CESA6.org, I'll have this tool ready for you to get. I believe that it's important to constantly be investing in the culture, getting staff to connect and grow, sharing experiences and finding more people to support each other. And if you don't do that, well, it's certainly not going to happen on purpose, and it will not happen on accident. It only happens with leadership, your leadership. I have a fun activity for you to use at the start of your staff meeting, team meeting, grade level, or department meeting. This is something anybody in any profession can use to get people collaborating, caring, crying, and laughing. It's called Interview and Introduction Tool. You see, we work with lots of people in schools, well, even in life, and when the entire staff is together, we don't always know each other. And at this time of the year, the entire school needs to be able to come together to lift the entire school. Half time, having fun. But most of us, well, we operate in our comfort cliques. We stay there. We get stuck in the mindset of whatever that click is. Grade levels, teams, and departments, well, we all sit together. The specials teachers sit together. The English teachers sit together. The third grade teachers sit together. The seventh grade house sits together. The support staff, they sit over in the corner feeling like they're second-class citizen, and no one really truly knows anyone else in the system because we stay in our little comfort cliques. Let's change that. Let's create some energy. Let's create some connections. Let's take halftime as a team and have the coach bring us together. Look across the room and find ways to make connections and bring energy so we can do things. Seriously, what is a halftime in a sporting event? It is when the entire team plays half the match or game and goes into a room together with the coaches and everyone gets a motivational moment to bring more energy to the second half. Why? Because everyone at halftime is tired. People have had moments of success, mistakes have been made, failures have been fought, and we might be winning or losing. But no matter what, it's halftime. And that is a time for us to review, reconnect, get re-energized, refine our mission, find some energy, and remind ourselves of our purpose and run into the second half with so much energy that's fueled by our own beliefs in ourselves, our talents, and our mission because we took the time to make those connections. However... We in schools, we tend to operate like we're a confederacy of teams, like a bunch of independent little countries who just come together once in a while to sit in the same room together and be told what the new bell schedule will be. Knock it off. It's halftime, baby. So this winter, or halftime, let's intentionally reconnect our teams and celebrate as a team. The tool is called interview and introduction. The idea is simple. Divide your staff into pairs of people who do not team together and run out this process. It's an interview tool. Each person gets three minutes to interview their colleague, and then from the interview tool, they get 30 seconds to stand up and introduce that colleague or their new partner to the entire staff. Here's how it looks. Process. Number one, interview a colleague and get the best answer to each question. Number two, introduce your colleague to the audience using the answers to their prompts in 30 seconds. Here are the interview questions. What is your full name? 
Uh, it's Theodore Charles Nancy the Fourth. What high school did you attend? Port Washington High School. In high school, <laughs> it's one of my favorites. In high school, you would have been described as, in one word, I'm going to say funny. What university or college did you go to, if applicable? Cardinal Stritch, what was your major? History, political science. Your first job in life was a paperboy. What was your first car? Ooh, a 1982 yellow Ford Escort station wagon with a four-speed manual transmission. What's your favorite food? Homemade pasta. What's your favorite beverage? Beer. What's your favorite restaurant? Mm, El Retrova in Sheboygan. Greatest adventure? Probably climbing mountains with my children. Unique trivial fact about me? I once caught a bank robber. In your household, we'd find two wonderful children, my wife, a dog, and a lot of music. One person, dead or alive, you'd like to spend a day with. Theodore Roosevelt. Your friends would describe you as, one word, giving. If you could be better at one thing, it would be listening. If you had a single professional wish from a genie, what would you ask to be granted? The ability to travel through space and time and get to wherever I needed to be immediately. In other words, not have to sit in a car. And list one thing you and your colleague have in common, which is what we find together after the interview. Everyone interviews each other and takes notes on the paper. One at a time, people introduce their colleagues and answer all the questions. This provides an opportunity for the staff at halftime in the locker room. Well, you're probably in a library, whatever. It allows your team to reconnect, to laugh and be together. I ran this out with a group of principals this week and we laughed hard, smiled, became empathetic and loved it. I mean, one person had a lacar in college. Love that. We heard about people's cars, funny jobs, all the connections with the schools, and suddenly people are looking across the room like they're old friends. Why? Because we created connections. I grew up on a dairy farm too. I, I went to that college. Did you have Mr. So-and-so? I didn't know that's where you went to high school. I graduated a year ahead of you. Energy comes from process, and we need the adults to be engaged in their work in each other's lives. It runs out in less than 30 minutes, depending on the size of your staff, and it is fun. Yeah, I said fun. Do you build energy reviewing data all the time? No, you build the energy to attack the data through processes of connection. Come on, people. It's halftime. Now let's talk about the students. Oh, think of this like the halftime show of the Super Bowl. Now, if I were an elementary principal, I'd have a parade. Each class celebrating with banners what they've accomplished in the first half of the school year, all heading into the gym for an assembly that celebrates everything they've done at every level in the whole school, how people met expectations, all these celebrations, bringing up all different types of children to share stories and make sure everyone knew that these are people who meet expectations. These are our expectations, and we're so proud of all of you. I'd have a program of talent. I'd have songs and dances and all. Oh, Goats. I don't care. Anything. And I'd make certain I'd ended the day with a clear set of expectations for the remainder of the year. I'd make day 100 a flippin' holiday for the entire place. K through 5. It doesn't matter. They all should be celebrating. Not just those fun little kindergartners who get to eat Oreos because they're in the shape of a zero. Actually, now that I think about it, if I were a middle school or high school principal, I'd do the same thing. I'd start second semester off with a bang. If I were a superintendent of schools, I'd do the same thing. I'd bring together everyone to celebrate everything we do. 
I'd have teachers make presentations of the learning that took place. I'd share their professional development goals. I'd have them give awards for all of the elements to all of the students from effort to growth to behavior to unique moments. I'd celebrate kids for things they did outside of schools. I'd create little mini hero examples. I'd prevent present examples of leadership. I'd have students then get up there and demonstrate their talents. Assemblies focused on all we do and all we have. I mean, come on. If a school team goes to state, the athletic team, we have a huge assembly to celebrate a few. Well, how about we have a few assemblies and programs to support and celebrate the many? Imagine that you start the school day with the entire student body in one place, and it is a celebration of what we've done. Kids walk in and the screen is filled with all of the accomplishments. Everything we want to positively reinforce. Data. Yeah, data. Like if you were a high school of 400 students and then you put up there that we celebrate the fact that 362 of you have made good choices with no referrals this year. Or to this point on day 100, we've had 342 students with a 2.5 or greater GPA. That 150 students participate in clubs. That 95 students are varsity athletes. Heck, I'd have the band playing a modern song, the choir singing a current top 40, the robotics clubs has robots on the stage, the culinary arts kids made long john and circle donuts in the shapes of 100s, the teachers demonstrated talents, and former students up there giving speeches of how the school helped them at the next level of their life. I got to take a breath. I just get so excited thinking about what a cool opportunity would this would be halfway through the school year, or five-ninths, because that's what day 100 would be. As it's all happening, a student would get up and lay out the expectations at the very end of the program and say, this is who we will be for the rest of the school year in learning, in participation, and in behavior. And it all ends with loud music, free donuts, and confetti cannons. Imagine school at the midway point being as energetic as the halftime show of the Super Bowl. But don't imagine it. Make it happen. And then make it a tradition. And do not accept the common notion that mid-year is tough. No, challenge that thought like a buffalo and hammer it. Create the moment, the halftime of energy and enthusiasm. And think of this, invite in the community to remind the kids that they matter, that their work and effort are recognized outside of the school. Give out awards to staff for their commitment to kids. Recognize the support staff. Yeah, the support staff in front of the students. Have walk-up songs when adults are introduced and encourage students to be raucous in their applause. Come on, man, it's halftime, baby. This is, after all, the most exciting part of the Super Bowl, at least for the majority of us, because we like the entertainment and we like the commercials because it makes it memorable. If we do that, the entire staff and student body can lean into the messages and expectations then for the remainder of the school year. I mean, think of this. One of the older bus drivers walks up onto the stage as ACDC is cranking over the loudspeakers. Music stops. She grabs the microphone and she tells the kids and the students in the audience her story. How she retired as an accountant after 30 years and decided to drive bus because then she could see her grandchildren and drive them to school and pick them up every day. But a few years ago, those grandchildren left and now she's just in love with all of them. Imagine the feeling when the driver gets a standing ovation and the room is cheering for Miss Barb and everyone feels connected. Day 100 celebrations in schools, halftimes, launching into the second semester, whatever. That just needs to happen. 
It is a big deal to get halfway or 100 days in. It is a big deal because we use a lot of energy to get there. And by the time we get to this time of year, sometimes you can't see the finish line. But when you're reminded of the purpose, you get a cool look back, you get positive reinforcement, and are recognized for your effort, well, that, my fellow leaders, is what it's all about. It's about resetting high expectations, having fun, and recognizing that we did something pretty big together. So let's do some smart thinking. Describe your strategy to create mid-year energy. List the activities you'll do or do to create lift mid-year for everyone around you. And describe how you can energize all of the staff and students. That's it. That's the Smart Thinking Podcast. Hey, as always, thank you for listening. And please make sure to rate and share this episode with others. Also, please make sure to do something for your halftime this year. And then share it with me. Send me pictures. Give me a description. Let me share it with others so that we can build courage so that other people say like, oh, well, they did it. I'm going to try it as well. And of course, thank you to the Well Pennies for their great music and Golden Bear Studios for permission to use all of the different music that they produce and share. Especially today's another Andrew Hoyt song, his cover of Coldplay's Yellow. Okay, let's close out here. Friends, I'm really serious here. If you are in a school or work in schools and you have low energy, can't find the motivation to finish strong and find yourself praying for a fast road to spring break, I need you to look in the mirror and remember that if you feel that way, you're also reflecting that, not only to yourself, but through your actions and you're showing it in your school, in your classroom, in your library, in your office, and amongst the people you work with, and more importantly, the children you serve. We are solely responsible for our own engagement and our own happiness in the workplace and life. We are also uniquely responsible for the ensuring that the school year runs out with excitement and energy. I believe that we can learn a lot from sports and the traditions around us. I mean, I love the game of baseball, but they don't have a halftime. However, they do have something called the seventh inning stretch, and everyone in the audience gets up and sings and dances, and no one feels ridiculous. Instead, they feel energized, unified, and they own the fact that even if their team is losing, they have that seventh inning stretch to look forward to. You see, there will be the cows on your staff who will be like, oh, another one of these. Well, guess what? If it becomes a tradition, if it's highly energetic, and it's engaging, they'll even stand up during the seventh inning stretch when people are screaming out, take me out to the ball game." And all we want them to do is stand. The middle of the year, the calendar doesn't have to be filled with gray. It can instead be a spark of all colors, and it can be a reason to bring staff together to playfully reconnect and collaborate amongst themselves. And as important, it can be a time for the entire student body to come together and celebrate with the staff each thing they've done, all the talents around them, the fact that the overwhelming majority of all of the children actually do make good choices and that the majority of them engage in learning and that they all have talent. My mom's classroom on day 100 made those kids feel like they had done something really big. I mean, come on. We counted two 100 together. That's a big deal. We were here together for 100 days. We have 100 Oreos to eat. I mean, how could life be better for a kindergartner? Why don't we all enjoy that? And each day when I went down there in January, I'd ask the kids, how many more days until 100? And they all knew it. 
because they count it up. So instead of living in a culture where we count down to the end of the school year, let's create a culture where we count up to day 180 and we celebrate halfway through or five-ninths on day 100. It's a big deal to make the kids to make the kids feel like a big deal. And it's even more important to recognize that we're all part of this journey together. My challenge for you, build nuclear levels of energy in the next few weeks to propel your school to the next level of learning and community. Come on. I mean, a leader, after all, has influence. And what a better way to influence the outcome than to make your school's midpoint the best halftime show ever. Look at the stars, look how they shine for you In everything you do Yeah, they were all yellow, I came along I wrote a song for you And all the things you do And it was called yellow So then I took my turn Oh, what a thing to have done And it was all yellow Your skin, oh yeah, your skin and bones I jumped across for you Oh, what a thing to do Cause you were all yellow I drew a line, I drew a line for you Oh, what a thing to do My love, and it was all yellow things that you do